0: Amen and thank you so much for your uh, for your generosities we appreciate that very very much I don't know if this will be the last time it could well be the last time I get to officially introduce you Bishop and I just wanted to make sure that I had opportunity to do it upright. and (laughs) I'm as Carl Morris once said uh, I'm a professional introducer So I want to make sure I do that right I have appreciated both my friendship as well as our collegial uh, pastoral ship together with uh, pastor Fred and Jan Denham. Um, I appreciate so much your uh, kindness in the providence of our paths crossing and renewing our relationship that uh, you were willing to uh, to open up your heart and open up uh, your building here to allow us to take a run at uh You know at what God was asking us to do and that's all we've done at legacy is we tried to find step-by-step what it is God was asking of us to do and we appreciate uh, Obviously your part in all of that Appreciate the fact that the zeal of God is being restored to you. God is healing your body and uh, He is causing strength to come again and uh, I give all credit and I know you do too You give all credit to the Lord for all of that. I I I really wanted to take a little credit because (laughs) because it's all that golf playing we went out and I've been telling you since the first time we went out to the last time we played I, and I want you folks to know it that that Bishop's strength has just been getting stronger and stronger and stronger until finally he's putting the ball out there with me so uh, that's 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 how it goes his short game still takes takes me to school on the short game still and I've only been able in all those golf games to beat him once I think by only one stroke I got you that one time, one time. I was there when you hit the hole-in-one, though, and that was a legitimate hole-in-one. Uh, but Pastor Fred is a man of God, and uh, we love him and appreciate the friendship. And while uh, we're having to segue into the next chapter of, of uh, our walk with God, I know that your walk with God will be filled with miracles and, and unbelievable providences and God moments as well. And though geography may eventually separate us, the fact of the matter is our friendship will stand. And I just wanted to let you know I loved you, and I appreciated you, and I want to esteem you before all these people. Amen. So Pastor Fred, come up here. (laughs) Shell the peas, shuck the corn, and honor God. God bless you, my friend.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You may be seated So much to say and so little time to say it in, but let me say, first of all, our relationship with the Bairds has been reciprocal. We believe the Lord brought us together providentially. He may have used circumstances and even maybe was in those circumstances for us to come together and it was a season for me, the last year and a half has been a season for me for recovery. Amen. And uh, I have really recovered, Moran. And uh, I'm stronger than I've been in a long time. For those of you who maybe didn't hear me say this before, I'll say it now. When A year and a half ago, I was praying the prayer, I will not die but live and I'll declare the works of God." You know why I was praying I will not die but live? Because I felt like I was dying. But since you know, we, we believe the Word of God, we're people of faith, we call things that be not as though they are. So I was saying I will not die. I'm not going to lay down and roll over and just wait for the inevitable. And so I was, I was bad off when I came. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have contracted Parkinson's three years ago. And that's what I'm overcoming. I'm I'm taking the gospel. I tell my neurologist, I'm taking the gospel. Every day I take the gospel. The Word is alive and active. It's powerful. It's working in my body, driving out sickness and disease. Sickness and disease has no power over me, my spirit, soul, or body. In Jesus' name. I believe it's the will of God to heal. I don't believe it's the will of God to take people home with cancer and junk like that. Amen? There's still some preachers who believe what Jesus said. I'm not going to preach this, but this is good preaching. (laughs) I I dare anybody to go to the Gospels and find me any place where Jesus refused to heal somebody when they came to Him. You can't find it. It's not there. He never refused them. He'd say things like, according to your faith, be it unto you, and it's interesting you tell people according to your faith, but they just receive that faith by hearing Him. Isn't that crazy? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by a word of Christ. That's literally what Romans ten seventeen means. The anointing brings the word, the Rhema, spoken word in your spirit, and that's what drives out the disease and sickness and raises you up when it looks like you're not going to be raised up. Amen. Now, I, I can't reverse the aging process, but I can believe he can renew my strength, can I? Yeah. Amen. Maybe I should do like that guy on, on the news. You hear about that guy on the news who wanted to re- well, yeah, he wanted to be 20 years less, so he wanted to get the judge to f- rule for him. I should, I should be able to tell him that, that, that the judge has already ruled for me. Yeah. He'll renew my strength as the Eagles. what? Well, amen. Now, let me me go on, there's a lot of things I want to say. My wife has threatened me, so I'm going to make a commercial. Not really, but I'm going to blame it on her, see? After December the 30th, Abundant Life Church will still be here, and I'd like to solicit your support and solicit you to consider us as your place of worship. The Lord may have given you to us. We just want you to consider that. Amen? And you know what I thought about when I was thinking about saying that? I heard one time that a guy said this. He said, Every frog praises his own pond. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if I'm not, not going to tell you anything, then you'll, you'll think we're all sneaking out of here. I'm not going to do that. And, I, and that's what I wanted to say to you up front, too, today, in re- reference to that. I can tell you this. My whole Christian experience since 1965, August the 17th, 1965, when I gave my life to the Lord. I hadn't thought about breaking down and crying, but that, think about it. I gave my life to the Lord at 18 years of age. <clears throat> and two weeks later, I was in Bible school without even giving any thought to Bible school before that. Providentially I was in Bible school. Two months later I was preaching every Sunday in a little church over in Lake City, South Carolina called Manoa, and uh, did that through five years of Bible school. Now, I wouldn't advise that for anybody <laughs> because it really—this it, it, is another testimony, but I'm just giving this portion right now. I was lifted up too quick, I was, had hands laid on me too quick, I was a novice. But I found out something about my Christian experience. My life doesn't belong to me. When I gave my life to the Lord, He anointed me to preach. I didn't decide to preach. I was providentially rushed into that place, and God has worked all things together for my good. And brought me to this place. I'm in revival. I'm in a fresh revival, and that's what I'm leading up to telling you. What I found out over the years when I gave my pulpit over 13, what, 15 years ago? Was it? No, it wasn't that long. Yeah, 13 years ago. I sat for four years, and I became a miserable person. This is a com- commercial. It's a good one, though. It's good. And when my wife came to us and said, came to me, she said, I believe the Lord is leading us to start a church downtown. We did that in 2009. She was not expecting me to say that. I said, Let's go. I was ready to go. I was ready to do something other than sit. And she pastored for a year. And she begged me to take it after a year. She had turned to me in that first year and she said, What about this? I said, That's your decision. You're the pastor. (laughs) Boy, I got even with her, boy. (laughs) So and so, and this and that. That's your decision. You're the pastor. (laughs) I think this and I think that, but it's your decision. And whatever you decide, we'll do. So, after a year, she made me get back in, in the pulpit. And what I have discovered since that time, and especially now in the last year and a half of this little bit of a sabbatical, that my life is ministry. In some psychological circles, they would think that's, that's not good. My identity is not in my ministry, but my ministry is my ministry, it's, it's my life. And so what I'm discovering is what the Apostle Paul said, he said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I tell young preachers that today. If you don't have a woe is me, you go do something else. You have to be able to say, if I don't preach, I die. And I've learned by experience that that's exactly what I've been doing, Andrea. I've been dying slowly, spiritually. But since I've been once again stirred by the Lord, the Lord stirred my spirit and stirred my heart, these last few weeks especially, the last three or four weeks, times I've I've preached, God has brought me back to a place He's talking to me in ways that He's been talking to me in days gone by. He's let me know afresh, I'm giving you something for you to give it away. You freely have received, now freely give it away. Paul said, if I preach willingly, I have a dispensation with the Lord. But if I preach against my will, they said, I have a dispensation with the Lord. But he said, but I have a reward if I preach. And he said, what is that reward? I say, say, what is that reward? And I'm sure you've studied it, Brother Baird. The reward is that I, I receive of the gospel that I preach. Now if, if you've never been a preacher, you may know what I'm talking about, but I can tell you this, if, if you'll study the Word and you'll search the Scriptures and you'll read the Word for your own meditation and what God gives to you, if you'll give it away, God'll give you more. Does that make sense? That makes sense on an individual basis if you're not even in the ministry, but that's what I found about my life. The Lord has given to me so that I'll give it away, and if I don't give it away, my pond dries up. See, yours will dry up too if you don't give it away. That is a principle of the Scripture. Freely you've received, freely give. There's no charge. You freely give it away. As a matter of fact, you ought to look for places to give it away. Whatever you sow, you reap. And so I wanted to say that to you because that's somewhat of an introduction to what I'm talking about. For the last two times I've talked, remember I talked about the inheritance, that we need to seize it, remember that? Compared it to Israel and coming out of Egypt, going to the Promised Land, God had already given the the, the inheritance. And then He said when you go there, possess it, means seize it. And then we equated that with the, with John the Baptist when he said that the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. They SEIZE it! And I talked to you about that inheritance, and I want you to know something. I'm not finished yet. I'm talking to you about inheritance. You know why? Because I am convinced that most Christians don't know that there's a big deposit in their bank and it's waiting for them to do something with it and they hadn't done it. SOMEBODY's got to tell you there's an inheritance. How shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach it unless they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace. I'm here to preach today, not just to talk. I'm here to preach. I'm telling you, i got a message for you today. You need to get ready to receive it. Somebody say, I'm going to receive. Those of you who didn't say it, say it under your breath anyhow. I'm going to receive. See, you need to make a demand on the gifting and the anointing that's in the pulpit. No, don't look at their person. Look at the anointing. Look at the gifting. It's amazing what God will give you when you come expecting to receive. It's amazing how you can sit there and not receive a thing in spite of the fact that there's stuff happening in God. I'm just meddling now, but but this is an introduction to what I'm going to talk about and talk to you about. I've got about two hours of preaching that I want to try to do in about 45 minutes. Is that all right with you? <laughs> I just met Ray. He didn't know he was going to have an eternal preacher in the, in the pulpit, preaching the eternal gospel. Ray and I were talking about Citadel and Alabama tying the first half. Man, I'm so proud of those boys. For those of you who are not football fans, you may not know what I'm talking about. Alabama's number one in the nation, and our little citadel over there gave them a good lesson. Yes, sir. Taught them a thing or two. Don't mess with, don't mess with military boys. Let's turn to, uh, turn to Ephesians once again, Ephesians chapter 1. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe you to stir the spirits and the hearts of this people like you've stirred mine. I believe you, Lord, to awaken us afresh to a righteousness that's by faith, awaken us afresh to a position that's by faith in you, an inheritance that is already ours, waiting for us to receive it. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. In Ephesians chapter 1. There's a prayer I've told you that I pray over you, the congregations of Abundant Life and Legacy, and I also pray the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and that's where my heart is being stirred. There's some things that I will say that I've already said, but there are some things that I will also say that I haven't said, so make certain that we understand what has been said so that we'll get a hold of what's going to be said, amen? Somebody say amen, Amen. because I hope you understood what I just said. Okay, Jamie said he understood it, so everybody else ought to. Verse 15, chapter 1 says, Therefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. If this is a good prayer for Paul, it ought to be a good prayer for us, amen? I encourage you to pray this over yourself, your family and all your friends and your loved ones, your brothers and sisters in Christ just call out their name and mention their name before the Lord in this prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Interestingly, there's three things mentioned there that wisdom, revelation, and knowledge are three of the spirits of the Sevenfold Spirit in Isaiah chapter 11 that rested upon the Lord Jesus. All right? And then he said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. How many of you know that it's possible to read something and see it, hear it, and think you know it? But you don't know it like the Lord wants you to know it. He wants you to know it intimately. That's what that word means. He wants to know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. I'll stop there because the prayer goes on because I'm really Stuck right there, that's where, I'm, that's where I told my wife this past day two or three days, I feel like the Lord's been breathing on me. You ever had one of those times, Pastor Kevin? <sighs> like the spirit of revelation and wisdom, understanding, knowledge. I, I, I just felt the Lord blowing on me. And, 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 and there was exploding in the realm of the Spirit, understanding. I was seeing it like I hadn't seen it. I was knowing it like I hadn't known it. Anybody ever witnessed that? I tell you what, you ought to read the Word until you witness that. When you witness that, you'll not want to lose it. You want to keep going back to find it. Amen? But I want you to take note especially of the, the riches of the glory. Underline that, because that's what I'm talking about. The riches of the glory. And then notice it says, of his inheritance. Whose inheritance is it? It's Jesus, inheritance. That's what what He said. How do we know that? Because He said that He'd give you wisdom and understanding and knowledge concerning the Lord Jesus. That's who we're talking about. So Jesus has the inheritance of the riches of the glory. It's HIS inheritance. Now you've got to to get a hold of that because I'm going to show you something in a minute, something you may already know but you're going to be reminded today of. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and let's begin reading at verse 14, let's read there. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Do you see that? The riches of glory, now now it's making it clear who it is, it's the riches of HIS glory. It's HIS inheritance. This riches of the glory is His inheritance. He said, now here's what's going to happen, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inward man. Something is going to happen inside of you in the inward man that won't have anything to do with the outward, as it were, but something's happening with the inward. The inward man is the spirit of man and the soul of man. That's the inward man. Amen? The outward man is the body. The inward man is the spirit and the soul. We consist of spirit, soul, and body. There's no debate about that. The Bible makes it clear, doesn't it? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, May the Lord preserve your spirit, soul, and body blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the Word of God is powerful, verse 12, it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of the spirit and the soul and the joints and the marrow. There's taking the three things in reference again, spirit, soul, and body. But thank God, he said, the spirit of God is alive, it's powerful, and that word's going to minister to you and cause things to happen inside of your inward man that you cannot even begin to imagine. That's what we have to get across. That, and here's, here's the result, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When God breathes on you and stirs you, you still have to walk by faith, and you'll have, you'll have seasons of stirring. You'll have seasons of the wind blowing. You'll have seasons when it seems like that the Lord just walked into your house and sat down next to you and put His hand on your shoulder. You'll have seasons like that, but the reason for that season is so that when the time comes for you to walk by faith and not by your feelings and not by sight, you'll be able to walk by faith anticipating the next season. Does that make sense to anybody? See, Christianity is a living experience with a living God who talks, He speaks, He, sp- he messes with you. Unlike other religions, our God messes with us. <coughs> Folks, you ought to be running the and jumping the pews about this time. I'm telling you, that's, that's a wonderful thing for <coughs> Pastor Kevin says it from time to time. We're Pentecostal. We make no apologies for that. We believe in the experience that came in Acts chapter 2 on the Day of Pentecost, SUDDENLY there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where those guys were. And the tongues of fire sat on each of them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're not ashamed of that. It's in the Bible. It hasn't ceased. It still happens. And I'm telling you that's very important for us that God gets a hold of us and shows us this that I'm getting ready to talk to you about. I'm talking to you about it, but I want you to get ready to receive it. This is your inheritance. So that these things can happen to you, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and depth and height to know the love of Christ. Listen to all this. This is. Treasure, folks! Which passes knowledge-somebody say, passes knowledge. You can't get this out of the university and the, and the college. You can't even get this from your pastor or the five-fold ministry. You can't get it. God has got to get it, give it to you as the, He uses the 5 ministry and, and stirs them to give it to you. That's how it happens. This is a very humbling rea- reality, I realized that after a while, that I couldn't show up to give anything unless the Lord ANOINTED me to give it. I'm like that preacher that said, I don't know what the anointing is, but I know what it ain't. And I've experienced both of them in the pulpit, I found out what it was and what it ain't. Thank God for the anointing, amen? And this is really what we're talking about in the riches of His, of His glory. It has to do with the anointing, and it says that you may be FILLED, somebody say filled, with the FULLNESS of God, plethora. That's, we, we get our English word from there. What's the English word? Yeah, plethora, yeah, yes, you're right, I remember one day I was getting ready for, for church service, I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday morning, and I heard that word. I didn't even know what that word meant, but I heard it by the Spirit of the Lord. And when I began to search the Scriptures and these kind of things, I found out where where that word came from, and it it means riches, and it also means fullness. See, a little dab won't do you when the Lord's Lord's arrested you. You remember, remember Brill Cream? It's been a long time since I've sung that. Now listen. Brill cream, a little dab will do you. Brill cream, you look so debonair. Brill cream, the girls will all pursue ya. They'll love to run their fingers through your hair. <laughs> ah, but I'm telling you, a little dab won't do us. See, this this is what I'm convinced of. When you begin to receive revelation from God, and you know the difference of receiving revelation from God and not receiving revelation from God, you begin to CRAVE God coming to talk to you. And of course the Lord has to get you in the place where He wants you to be in order that He can talk to you. And the the primary place to be is what I've already said in our opening comments. He has to have you in the place of not only RECEIVING. But giving, the Lord's not making a, a, a place where the water goes in and doesn't come out. What do they call that? When when water goes into a place and it doesn't come out, called it polluted is what they go ultimately. And it dries up and so forth. But well, the Lord the Lord pours something in us to pour something out of us. I used to say when I was younger, and of course the, the older I get the more I realize that probably I'm identifying with it, I'm a little teapot, short and stout, tip me over and pour me out. Well, That's really, that's really what the Lord wants to do. That, that's the economy. That's the economy of the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is receive. When you receive, you give, and then when you give, you receive, and then it becomes the lifestyle so that you're not expecting always receiving, you're expecting of giving, and the, and the, the, the time for the reaping is God's business. I think have got to wait a wait let that settle. Because some people get into the message of giving and receiving, you know, and then, they, and then they try to tell God what He was supposed to do about the receiving, and they get mad with God and quit. Only to learn just a little bit later you quit too soon. The giving, the giving thing is my business. Back to those who sow. You sow, you'll reap. That's the promise. Remember, always remember this, God will not be indebted to any man. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you need money, you sow money. If you need love, you show love. If you need kindness, you show show kindness. If you need respect, show respect. If you need honor, give honor. Isn't that it? You don't get bogged down in your Christian life complaining. Complaining is as big a sin as any of the rest of them. That's one of my confessions, that I'll not complain, but you're going to make me, Lord, a minister. I'm not going to. I'm not going to complain. Not going to find fault. And there's a lot of stuff I say in there to the Lord. So anyhow, you find your own stuff. (laughs) But anyhow, I'm chasing rabbits, but these are good rabbits. Now now listen, to him who is able. Somebody say he's able. able. Little Riley learned that in kindergarten. That was our first sermon, if I remember. Henrietta's little Riley. She came home and said, Is God able? She's like three, what, three, four years old? Yes, he is. (laughs) Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, you there? According to the power that works in us. Somebody say, In us. You're not waiting for a power to come, He's in us. To Him be glory in the Church by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and forever. And so this morning I want to submit afresh to you that God has put a DEPOSIT in your body. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says, we have this TREASURE. In earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Say treasure. treasure. We have this treasure, it's the riches of the glory. We have this treasure, which more we have more treasure than that, than that particular one I'm talking about, but this is one I want us to major on today the riches of his glory. And I was thinking about that, and I said, well, this is the right season, so I reckon I ought to add this one, too. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and the last verse of that, that verse says this. It says, what does it say? I didn't even write it down. I thought I'd be able to. But here's what it says. It says, we thank God for His unspeakable gift. You know what the unspeakable gift is? It's Jesus! You know what unspeakable means? It means unable to describe it. Anybody here, can you describe Jesus thoroughly? No. So it's an unspeakable gift. Now what we're doing, we're we're majoring up on one portion of the inheritance, the riches of the glory. The word riches, I think I've already said it, but I'll say it again. The word riches really means the same as fullness. It's to fill the riches of the glory. God's after wanting to fill us with His glory. When we talk of the glory of God, what are we talking about? I'm, listen, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, you forgive me for that, but he, I believe what the glory is, is His manifested Presence. I live by faith and I walk by faith, but I like to be jerked around by the Holy Spirit. I'd love for the Holy Spirit to grab me by the nap of my neck and throw me on the floor and mop up the floor with me. That'd be all right with me. i nobody said amen to that one. I, don't, you, I must be the only one who wants that. I can tell you what, you get what you desire, what things soever you desire. You know what'll happen when the Lord does that to you? Your dignity will be totally gone. But you know what King David said said about that to his wife when she got all upset about his dignity? He said, "I'm going to be more undignified than this." <laughs> I think that's good enough for King David. We ought to be able to get up and do a little jig or whatever, you know. Brother Kevin, I'm beginning to feel more like I can almost see Brother Houston. Pat, <laughs> my pastor just turned ninety. I'm going to be more undignified than this. Yes, sir. I'd like for the Lord to do that just ever so often, as often as He wants to. Henrietta knows about that. In the days gone by, Henrietta's been known to get up and run around a little bit with an accompanying, "ah." The first few times it sort of unnerved me a little bit. After a while I said, "Well." I told everybody, well, folks, that's the Holy Spirit saying amen. <laughs> so I began to expect that. I began to, whenever the Lord would do that, I'd, I'd let it interfere with us. Somebody said, well, you know, God, the Holy Ghost, he's, not, he's a gentleman. He won't interrupt things. You hadn't read the Bible. The great Apostle Peter was preaching. The great Apostle Peter was preaching, and the Holy Spirit fell right in the middle of his certain message. Read Acts chapter 10, you'll see that. So, so get rid of that doctrine that the Holy Spirit won't interrupt you. What you need to do is be discerning enough to know when He has interrupted you, rather than pressing on. Well, I'll just press on. I've done that before. I want the Lord to teach me more accurately. Lord, when you're interrupting me, let me know it. Somebody may come to me afterwards and say, Well, you missed the Holy Spirit. Well, I say, That's okay. As long as I miss Him and not you, it would be all right. The Lord will correct me and instruct me, but he won't, he won't help you because you're critical. Amen? Anyhow, that's meddling, too, I know that. Excuse me, let me take a drink of water. I tell you what, I'm beginning to preach a little bit. You can always know when I'm preaching because I start meddling. Humanity is pitiful, isn't it? We're pitiful without the Lord. And you know what's really pitiful? When you don't know you're pitiful. That's really pitiful. Where do I go from here? I'm going to, I'm, I got me some outline today. I'm, I'm, Pastor Kevin's rubbing off on me. I'm actually putting some outlines together here. The first thing that I want to establish for us in these comments is the LOCATION of where the inheritance is. And that's what I've really been talking about. The inheritance is in you. Say, do like this. The inheritance is in me. The treasure is in me. The gift is in me. You don't have to ascend up into heaven to bring it down. You don't have to go into the grave to bring it up. It's already there. It's in you. Like the word of faith, it's in you. It's in your heart. Put it in your mouth. Declare it. Say it's true. I agree with God. I have in my inheritance the riches of the, of the glory. And I have it because it's His inheritance. Amen? Amen. Second Corinthians 9, 15 is the verse that I couldn't find. While I got it in my outline but didn't look at it. Thanks to God for His unspeakable gift. Colossians 1, 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, by these three—faith, hope—I love biblical hope. I, I, I despise human hope because if humans get a hold of the wrong kind of hope, they get it humanly. They'll begin to depend on it. Uh, you know, I'm not—I'm not that excited about self—you know—self helpers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. In other words. I, have, I know there's a place for psychology, but I'm concerned that psychology is replacing theology. I'm not, I will not speak critically of anybody and the way they're doing their things, but I can tell you this, I'm convinced that the Word of God, if the Word of God is preached and people begin to seek God because oh, they, they want to find out what God's saying, God Himself will show up and straighten all their mess out. If they're insecure, they'll become more secure. If they're disappointed, they'll become hopeful. If, they got, if they're mad with people, the Lord will deliver them from their madness, amen? All right, let's go on down the, down the line here. Let, let's, let's also just turn to Romans real quick Let's let's hang out there a second. We visited there last time, but let's do it again. In Romans chapter 8, look at verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Papa, Papa, I believe, as another translation puts it. You cry that out by the Spirit of the Lord. You can do nothing without the Spirit of the Lord. You can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh understanding of our desperate need of the Holy Spirit, amen? The Spirit Himself, King James, I think, translates that that itself, but it's a person. The Spirit of God is a person, it's Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, note, note this, it's very important for us, then heirs, if you're a child, if you're born again, born of the Spirit, born of God, born from above, something happened to you. In that moment, in that transaction, the Spirit of God came and joined your spirit. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but He's come and joined your spirit for communion, for fellowship, for teaching, for leading you into all truth, magnifying and glorifying the Lord Jesus, who in turn magnifies the Father. That's why He's come. And that's how you receive this word of, you are heirs. Say, I'm an heir. You're not just an heir, you're an heir of God. You going to read that? An heir of God. You're in God's will and testament. His last will and testament, you have, a, you have an inheritance from God. And, and what is the next heir? He said, heirs joint heirs with Christ. The word joint is taken from a word which means to be one. God's intent has always been from before the foundation of the world, and this is what we have to get into, that we should be one with Jesus Christ. Now, folks, let's get honest very much of our Christianity, including mine. You sat around and sang the same songs I did, especially the Southern Gospel ones. Won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear, joyfully singing with the songs I'm ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? Meanwhile, I'm trudging through this land. <laughs> if you had a hanky, you'd wave it, would you, brother? Listen, for two and a half years, I've traveled with a gospel singing group, and I love them, and I love gospel singing, but I, I, it, what wore me out was singing about everything over there. I was so glad to get into a pastorate where I could talk about things here, and so my, my, my philosophy was, listen, if you find it here, guess what, you'll get it there. But if you wait to get it there, you're going to be miserable on your trip through. In His presence is, a, is fullness, fullness, there's that word again, plethora, fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. God wants you to be full of His joy. God's joy sometimes is not translated happiness. God's joy sometimes has translated contentment in the middle of unhappiness. But you better hope that you have His joy when you've got those kind of circumstances come on you. Anybody here have a family? You have extended family? We all do. How many of you know that they'll give you great opportunities to have joy in the midst of unhappiness? So you have the prayer request for all the unsaved loved ones and all the unloved saved ones, you know. <laughs> That's not original with me. I'll tell you where I got it later. But now I, I say it so often, I should say now, as I always say, you know. All right. I've already established what the word riches mean, hadn't it? The vessels of mercy, the base of wealth, as fullness to fill or accomplish—that's what these riches are. See, so these riches, this, the riches of His glory, is not just money. It can be, especially if you need it. It'd be nice. Amen. <laughs> You don't go and visit people who are sick in the hospital and pray for money. I don't think, unless they got a bill they can't pay. But whatever you have need of is how the Lord shows up. As a matter of fact, I can say to you that the Lord has a desire to not only show up and provide your need, but He desires to provide more than you have, more than enough, so you can give to somebody else. Isn't that a joy to be able to give some away when somebody needs it? It's a blessing. Now listen. The glory. Let's take a moment with the glory. Turn over to Second Corinthians chapter. Hold on one second. I, I didn't continue. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. I blame it on my seniors' moment. Or right, go back to Romans chapter eight. I didn't finish that. If indeed, verse seventeen. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Glorified together. God is inviting you by His glory, into His glory, to be glorified with Jesus. Jesus prayed, He said, Father, glorify Me that I may glorify You. So it's not a bad prayer for us to be able to say in Jesus, glorify Me that I may glorify You. Not for the lifting up of Myself. Jesus never desired the lifting up of Himself, but He was always the Servant. So there's a right spirit to pray that. Not so that you can feel importance, but so that God will be able to come to your need and bless you. Amen? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time-this glory, there's sufferings in this glory, y'all, so you may want to get a hold of this-this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now listen, I got me another Greek word. I've been talking to my wife about it. She, She gets confused sometimes with my Greek words. To let you know that I've got it here, I've got it written in my Bible, a popka, is that how you would pronounce it, Pastor Kevin? apopka lufen. It means uncover. Apokalypthus, well, that's one, one form of it. Apocalypse is another form of it. But what it means, he's in agreement with me, it means an uncovering, to take off the cover. And listen, I've always approached this passage in terms of out yonder. Well, I'll tell you that day will come when we'll be uncovered in the world and know who we are. You can't get that in that context, really, because he's talking about suffering in this glory. And what that means is, is that you, as you press into God and discover the glory that is the riches of his riches, that, that comes, but the Bible says, with blessing comes persecution. They just some people can't stand to see you blessed, and 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 here, but here's the primary thing that I want us to be after. I've, I could hear the Lord saying this: You want to tell the people that they have to be the ones who oppress into me and seek me, so that I can whoosh, uncover who they are, who they really are, so that they can see and say, "Lord, I'm living so far below my my privilege." I want to rise to the privilege. I want to ascend into the heavens. I want to be Lord, Lord. I want to do that. See, that's we can talk about that. Not ascend above the throne of God, like Lucifer said. The angels weren't meant to do this. We we were meant to ascend because we're we're meant to seat with Jesus in His throne. Come on, somebody. That's I'm talking about not just identity with, but one with Jesus. How do you think we're going to reign in life if it's not in the throne? Romans 5, 21, here's how you reign in life, by receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, amen? It's the life of Jesus, see? But we've got, to get a, we've got to get accustomed to being able to understand that we have been joined to Him for the purpose of being one with Him so that He can lift us up when He wants to and make us a blessing when He wants to, and that we can be satisfied with Him. If we never get used, we'll be satisfied with Him, but I have found out when God finds somebody that will seek after Him, and they find Him, they want to share it with somebody. Amen? I'm preaching good. sound of abundance of rain, there shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they might fall. Y'all remember that one? (laughs) Now as to God we're confessing. Now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need plead. Mercy drops round us our falling plead. But for the showers we plead. Now, you can take that wrong if you want to because, listen, we want abundance and not just showers. We want a deluge. we like a flood of the Spirit, amen? But the flood of the Spirit invariably comes very slowly, doesn't it? Showers, hard rain, then the waters begin to flow up to the ankles, up to the knees, up to the thighs, and after a while you can't even walk in it. You have to swim in it. I'm quoting Ezekiel 47, you remember that? Let the river flow. How many of you want the river to flow? Listen, I am confident if we'll preach about it, the Lord will do it. The Lord wants to show up and confirm His Word with signs and wonders. Don't go following signs and wonders, but follow the Word. And when you follow the Word, you'll be there at the time when the sign and wonder shows up to confirm the Word. I ought to say that again. Brother Wally, I'm telling you, we know it, don't we've talked about that. There are people who want to follow signs and wonders, but follow the Word, and when the Word shows up and God confirms His Word with signs and wonders, then you're in the right place. But if you go looking for signs and wonders, you may show up and get something you weren't looking for. That's for whatever it's worth. That's a warning from a pastoral placement. The Bible's very clear. This is chasing a rabbit, but this is good. Test the spirits. I've opened up a can of worms here. Test the spirits. We're not talking about evil spirits, we're talking about spirits that are antichrist. An antichrist spirit is a spirit that wants preeminence over the Christ without realizing it. But if you preach the word of Christ and signs and wonders come, then we can be assured that that spirit is the right spirit. Amen. Anytime I say things like that, I'm thinking about some situations in my mind, and I'm hoping you're not picking up on that. Because I don't want to put it on anybody. I'm not going to talk about anybody. Everybody gives account of himself to God. Amen, Sister Doc. I got a new name for dot. Dot com. (laughs) All right, now look at Second Corinthians chapter four, because we're talking about the glory. And I've already quoted for you chapter four, verse seven. Right, we have this treasure. We'll look at verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Look, where, where is the light of the glory of the knowledge? In the face of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for the glory, if you're looking to experience the glory, if you're looking for, for the, the joy of the inheritance of the glory, look for Jesus. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus, He will magnify and glorify Jesus. As He's doing His business and as we are thankful for His doing His business, we know that the end of it is that we want to see Jesus. It's in that context that the Lord will come and blow His wind on you, the Holy Spirit will blow on you and begin to change you. How do I know that? Look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, you there? The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Where, we, where do we behold the glory of the Lord? In the face of Jesus Christ. And being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This whole thing about the inheritance of the glory has to do with us being changed. And the only way to be changed by the glory is by her revelation, the Lord breathing on you to give you that revelation. Of Jesus. I don't know how to say it any more clear, but that's the way I say it. This is the way I see it in the scriptures. Verse 10, chapter 4. Let's go back there again. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Why in our body? Because that's where the treasure is. Remember, you're not trying to go get it, it's already, you already got it. Somebody say, I already, it. I already got it. So you're not trying to go get it, You're trying to, what, what you're attempting to do by faith as you seek the Lord is receive it. He's already given it to you, just receive it. For we who have lived are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Listen. Put put a, uh, brackets around those two verses and do this for me. The next time somebody tells you you need to die to yourself, take them to those two verses. Your need is not to die to yourself because you can't do that, but I can tell you what you can do. You can bear the dying of Jesus in your body that His life can be manifested in your mortal body. You see, because you, he goes on to say, he said, We, having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. I believe, and this is where it comes good confession, y'all, I have been crucified with Christ. I believe I've been dead with Christ. I believe I've been buried with Christ. I believe I've been made alive with Christ in the grave. I believe I've been raised up with Christ, and I believe I've been seated with Christ in His throne. We know that because the Bible says we are in Him. He is in us, and we are in Him. We have been joined together. We are one together. That's what the joining is. Joint heirs. Are you catching that? We're joint heirs. All of that that Jesus accomplished through His death, burial, and resurrection, much less His incarnation, which is really something I hope I can touch, but I would be very careful touching that because that's very sacred. Because I believe this this morning, folks. I'll go ahead and jump at it real quick. Just to leave it with you. Don't call me a heretic until you question me and cross-examine me. I believe that there is or there's a need for a genetic study in the Spirit, as surely as there is a need for genetic studies in the natural, in the physical. I believe that we inherit, through Jesus Christ, the genetic spiritual components that are necessary for us to have victory. Beyond victory, beyond victory, triumph, always triumphing, always overcoming, yes, sir. But I'm, but I'm pastoral enough to say to you, it comes with a price, isn't that what he said a while ago? The sufferings? That sufferings is with the, uh, the flesh. It comes at a price. Whenever you make a decision to press in, I'm telling you, some of your closest brothers and sisters in God will, will complain about you, because they'll think you're getting too serious. But when you begin to get a glimpse of the glory of God, you begin, you begin to get a glimpse of what you can be, of where you can stand, of where you can dwell, you begin to get really zealous for that, and people that are not don't understand it. This is a good, good rabbit to chase, it's true. I had a pastor the other day sent me a picture of a license plate. The license plate said, Dying to Self. And he, I don't know if he sent an LOL or not. He said, I thought you'd appreciate this. I said, well, I know whose it is, and that was tough. I don't have a complaint. Hey, listen, people that talk about the Dying to Self message are sincere and earnest. You know how I know they're sincere and earnest? Because they've discovered the, the, the real dump place that they are in, in their flesh isn't it true there's nothing in my flesh that's any good there's nothing in my natural humanity that's any good listen you can say that but I can tell you this you better very quickly say but in him when I'm putting him on and when I'm dressed up in him when I've got his with his riches when I got his glory I'm telling you what we're on our way amen and that's why Listen, it wasn't too many years ago, Pastor Kevin, that that the Lord quickened those verses to me. I bear in my body the dying of Jesus. That's not dying to yourself. That's the body of the dying of you. Jesus is only going to die once. He's died once and He's been raised once and He's ascended once, and that's it. He's coming again to reign. So if, if you're trying to die to yourself, you're trying to do His job He's already taken care of. I need to go through it again, I'm crucified, I'm I'm dead, I'm buried, I'm made alive, I'm raised, I'm ascended, I'm seated. So I said, well, I don't know that I feel like that. Well, that's your problem. You're you're trying to go by your feelings. Go by your faith. That's what he says about you. He said, you got the inheritance inside of you. There's a treasure inside of you. Make Make a withdrawal from the treasure that's inside of you. Quit begging and pleading with God to give you something that He's already given to you. You already have it. What you need to confess is, Lord, forgive me for not believing you've already given it to me. I need forgiveness for doubting. I believe I'm a possessor of these things, and I receive, I seize it, I take hold of it, I receive, Lord, and and I'm prepared for what comes with it, the suffering that comes to my flesh. As you deal with my flesh, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for that. Are you with me? With the glory comes persecution. And you can become your worst persecutor. You know how I know that? I've been a pastor long enough to sit behind a desk and look at people who tell me all the bad things about themselves. They're their greatest enemy. We have met the enemy, and the enemy is us. I need to go on. Listen, let me just listen to this. So look at verse 16. Here, here's, this is where we need to also camp out. Therefore we do not lose heart, there's a mouthful, I don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now let, watch this. For our light affliction our light sufferings, you know, you got to follow the apostle Paul, you've got to read his list of sufferings, and he calls those light, <laughs> stone left for dead. The brethren had to raise him up from the dead and send him back in the city. He didn't leave the city, he went back in. Whew. I'm embarrassed in the, in the presence of that kind of revelation from God. Anybody agree with that with me? I'm a little, a little embarrassed for myself. But, I, but at the same time, I must turn around and say, but Lord, I know that there is a place in me for you and you in me that you can accomplish great things that I can't even begin to dream about. You're able to do exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that, we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's already there. You don't need to call the power down. The power is already there to work in you. You need to believe that the power is there. Lord, I believe, I receive, I believe, I receive, I believe, I receive! That's, where, that's when people get violent. You, you will start wanting to do, in some church aisles. you want to do what the, what the French are doing over in Paris. Start, start fires when you find out your leaders have taken it from you. When I first began to learn about these things, I realized how poverty-stricken I had lived as a Christian. I RECEIVE! I RECEIVE! I RECEIVE! The race was on, boy, he's been doing quite a job on me ever since, and I know you can testify to that as well, amen? I talked about the genetics, and I want to close with this real quickly. It's, It's something I should probably even bring up without getting into it. But I don't mean to be controversial, but I'm trying to bring home the fact that when God joined us to Jesus, He did that completely. There's a reason the Scripture says you're a new creation. There's a reason the Bible says He's made out of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, one new man. There's a reason we're called the Body of Christ. It's because He's come and joined Himself to us. We we couldn't join ourselves to Him. He came and joined Himself to us with all of our warts and shortcomings. Now all we need to do is believe what He did. That's it. Our lives should be spent in crying out to the Lord, Lord, help me to believe what you did. We need to pray like the man that prayed, I believe, help my unbelief. Our problem is a BELIEVING problem or an unbelief problem. That's our problem. problem is not that we're not good enough, that we're not consecrated enough. We could pick each other apart on consecration. How how deep is your consecration? Well, praise God. Let's see, I pray fifteen times a day and I read the Bible through about once or twice every week. You're not laughing because that's, that's sad, but that's where we are. Our consecration is based upon STUFF. But our consecration should be based upon the simplicity of believing God. I'm consecrated because I found out by the Lord's understanding and revelation that I have already got it done. I don't have to do something, I've already got it done. Because He got it done, I've got it done, I can receive the abundance of His grace to become what He did. He's already accomplished that in me, now I want to discover that so that it can be manifested, so that it can be uncovered, so that it can be revealed. Reveal your fullness, reveal your filling. I pray this to the Lord, I said, Lord, Jesus came into the world, and, and, and I've received Him and given the right to become a child of God, a, who's been born from above, and of His fullness I've received, in grace for grace, and today, I'm talking about today, I want, I want to be filled with the fullness, His fullness, that out of my belly will flow the rivers of living water that Jesus spoke about concerning the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. For he had not yet been glorified. But Lord, you've been glorified. I've received the Holy Spirit. He's in me. I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now flow out of me like a river. Come like fire out of me. Come like the rain, the former and the latter rain together. Come, Lord. See, that's what God gets a hold of. I believe, I receive. I stand in this place, the obstinance of Jacob, I'm not MOVING UNTIL you BLESS me! And that's a whole other message, isn't it? <laughs> Get a hold of me, Lord, and don't turn me loose! I used to tell our people, I, I'd say to the Lord when I first came into my revival, Lord, I've, you've got a problem, Lord, and that problem is me. But I'm going to be after you because you said, come follow me and I'll make you to become. Lord, I'm going to come to you and you're going to make me become. Make me become a fisher of men. Hallelujah. I'm not going to try to preach this, but I can tell you I've got, I got Bible for it. First the natural, then the spiritual. You go through that passage in First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 42 through verse 49, and it says the natural, then it says the spiritual, it says the natural, then it says the spiritual, it says the natural, then it says the spiritual. I'm telling you, Jesus, that's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3 when He said you must be born of the Spirit, you must be born again. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. I'm telling you, there's an equation of birth birth in the natural, there's an equation of that in the Spirit in terms of the growth process. How many of you know when the Conception takes place, that's it? Do you know that? Do you know that? You don't know that in your science? Let Let me tell you something about your biology, anatomically, and I'm not a doctor, but I can say this without any question. What was conceived in the womb of your mother, that was it for you naturally. It had already been determined. You had already in the natural been predestined by the genetic structure of becoming what that was. That's it. The stuff that happened to you after that is what screwed up the things. I'm not going to get into original sin and all that kind of stuff. I want to stay on the same page, because when you got born again, that seed, which is Christ, by the spirit of the God, of the lord did something that was amazing he conceived his life inside of our spirit by placing the holy spirit there there's union and the same genetic process that happens in the physical happens in the spiritual everything that he is i am Everything that he has become, I I have the privilege of becoming. That's what it means when the Bible says that there in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. I heard what Tracy was saying, and I appreciate it. He's our elder brother. He has the preeminence. He's the only one who's like him in the regard of he's the Christ. He is God Almighty in body. He's a 100% man and a 100% God. I'm not talking about that, folks. I'm talking about what He became in terms of the incarnation we can become. In new birth, we became it. In the conception of that, we became that. And now the process is the process of growth. All right? Now listen, Pastor Kevin may be able to explain that better than me. He may even want to say it different than I'm saying it, but I can say this to you. The whole reason I'm bringing this word to you is because I'm, I want us to become violent, Andrea. We've got to become violent. We, we've got to say, I'm tired of not living up to my potential in Christ. I'm tired of, of, of taking the grum, crumbs that fall from the table and I ought to be sitting at the table with the Lord Jesus with a place prepared for me. I'm tired of that. I want to rise and go to my Lord. Tell him, I've sinned with unbelief, and I've just been in an unbelief. But I'm repenting, and I want you to once again begin to teach me afresh who you made me to be. See, that's what I'm excited about. I'm not excited about an almost 72-year-old man with Parkinson's disease getting better. I'm excited about the Lord blowing once again. And I'm looking for some folks that want to get together and conclude what we concluded last time I preached we must pursue purity, we must pursue praise, pursue prayer, and pursue persistence. There's got to be no quit in us. And after we've cried out and cried out for the Lord to show up, we keep crying out more until He shows up. Amen? I'm looking for those kind of folks. I don't know if we'll find but two or three, but we'll do that together. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well... Everybody stand up. You've been sitting down a long time. You've been so sweet.